Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to I Am Refocused Radio with your host, Shamaya Reed. This show is designed to inspire you to live your purpose and regain your focus. And now, here's your host, Shamaya Reed. It's uh, going to be out within 24 hours. I'll have a link to you. I'll send. There's a link for a radio station here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, 930 AM, The Answer.com. They also uh, list my show on a page that they made for us. So you get additional exposure there as well. Cool. Sounds good. <clears throat> All right, here we go. And real quick, uh, your last name, is it uh, Prokopchuk? Is that close? Is that? Yeah, that's good. That's that's like on point, the Americanized version. So you're good. Okay, man. I was nervous. Okay, perfect. <laughs> awesome, man. <clears throat> there you go. Hey, welcome to Iron Refocus Radio, man. We are here once again, and man, we have a amazing guest today with a powerful story. I mean, not just being self-taught digital marketer out of the 2008 recession, but man, that doesn't touch his story. He has so many, many stories that we are hopefully be able to dive into some of them, man. But man, we have the one and only Roman Prokopchuk and he has an amazing business. You need to check out his website. It's digitalsavageexperience.com. And he has amazing services that he does there. And first and foremost, Roman, I want to say thank you for taking time your business schedule. How are you doing, man? Good. I appreciate you having me on. Man, so let's dive into this because you have so many uh, cool stories about your life. Uh, I mean, you have your childhood in the Soviet Union. I mean, you were a first uh, generation immigrant, but you have so much great stories and successes that you were able to to obtain. So, man, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what was life like for you, man? Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm a first-generation immigrant from Ukraine. I came over in 1990, March of 1990, with six other family members. Ukraine was still under the Soviet Union. We came over technically as religious refugees because we went to church, believed in God, um, you know, worshiped God. And uh, under communism, you can't obviously freely do that. So when kind of... uh, the, I guess I would call it an exodus or like the Iron Curtain kind of loosened and it was like Pedestroika under Gorbachev. People started to be able to uh, immigrate over. So we had a sponsor that was a distant family member and we kind of got here. Everybody started working. 
and kind of took it from here. So I was able to learn English from, you know, a young age right into school. So I don't necessarily retain an accent. And uh, as you mentioned, kind of fast forward, I went to school here. I went to uh, college for criminal justice. I interned with the Secret Service. I was also at one point going to go into the uh, Marine Corps officer program to uh, basically get a commission out of college as a second lieutenant, but had a uh, health issue that I found out that if I went, I probably in retrospect would have not made the training and possibly would have died. But um, I graduated in 2008. State, local, federal agencies weren't hiring. Basically a government freeze uh, and obviously other industries in that recession. And, uh, you know, I couldn't find a job for really months and months. The only thing that really kept me sane was going to the gym. I met someone at the gym and they basically said, come out to my car. I want to give you something that may help, which obviously could have been, a, you know, a variety of things. But I said kind of like, why not? And uh, after my workout, I went out and they uh, opened their trunk and handed me a packet about search engine optimization and said, read this packet, which was like 50 pages or so, go online for another month or two and you can start doing it for my business. And that was, you know, almost 15, 15 years ago. Uh, And I kind of got my foot in the door, kind of taking the chance, not knowing where it would lead, but obviously being curious, inquisitive, and, uh, you know, open to learn. So I've worked with Fortune 500 clients. I've held three director roles on the agency side, founded my own agency in 2012. And kind of in between all that, you know, started podcasting, started utilizing that to help clients and marketing in the audio space. And in terms of outside of work, uh, became a foster parent in 2018, fostering 29 kids from then to now. That journey kind of started with going through six miscarriages with my wife and uh, a few in the last few years, losses of close family members. So I've been just trying to kind of chug along personally and professionally because I feel like if you have something going on that's great personally or professionally, you have to kind of prepare for the tough times and Certainly those kind of things prepare me for any obstacles I have uh, in front of me. And man, that's a lot. And and what I mean by that is you've done a lot, man. I mean, you say you study criminal justice. You've done a lot that helped prepare you to be your own boss. And it's funny because you said the guy, you said he brought you to his car to, to give you those materials to look over. Is that what, what happened? Yeah, and then there was a kind of yeah, it was (laughs) a secondary learning lesson too because he ended up for the amount of time that I worked for him, uh, not paying me. So he kind of owed me like Uh, you know like twenty thousand dollars or something like that. And his cat got cancer, and he dropped that money on the cat instead of paying me. So it was uh, (laughs) my first business lesson in terms of getting things in writing. Also, wow, I just I just I was picturing in my head because I'm a visual uh, learner. I just pictured like a deal going down with like two black SUVs or something. He just gives you this case of knowledge for, you know, taking your new chapter and new field. Now, when you decided to make that jump to go for uh, like starting your own agency uh, as far as marketing, digital servicing uh, services, what was that process like? Was it kind of quick for you to kind of get things together or was it a little bit, a little bit more time to prep 
before you made that jump to go ahead and and be your own boss? Yeah, after I, you know, worked for that person and kind of got my foot in the door for a few months, I basically started with a company called LexisNexis huh. uh, in the legal vertical, which I had a portfolio of legal clients. At one point, it was about five to seven million dollars in search engine optimization, paid search, paid social and organic social spend in terms of uh, larger law firms around the country, some of which with multiple offices, uh, 10, 20, 30 offices, kind of regional uh, presences in terms of you know what they practice. So there, there was a large, uh, they created a large department of you know digital marketing professionals my age, a lot of which after a year or two went to other agencies, started consulting, started founding their own uh, agencies and seeing that and, you know, thinking to myself that, you know, these people aren't necessarily smarter or better than me. So why not me? So I kind of transitioned into that, I guess, within a month or two. So uh, founding, you know, creating a formal LLC, building the website, started networking, started promoting it, uh, different collaborations built. So a lot of it was built around uh, relationships that I've built. So somebody needed, you know, an expert in, you know, certain thing like search engine optimization, I would quote them, their agencies or whoever they were working with in terms of a client. And then they would, if, if it worked, bring me on and essentially the client would pay them. And then whatever they you know, agreed with me on a contract basis would would pay my agency and the agency was structured in a, uh, a remote setting. So there was no overhead. So everybody was remote and it was mainly activations on projects. So I had a lot of people that I've had business relationships with that I know they had bandwidth and I know what their rates were. And then when a project came through, it was kind of activating people off a bench. So kind of calling them up. Uh, me, me personally scoping the project, uh, you know, doing the uh, statement of work, what was allotted, the time frame, everything in terms of project management and the strategy and tactics, setting that up and then bringing them in if it made sense in terms of writers, analysts, things of that nature, and really kind of like a plug and play model. So for me personally, there wasn't a lot of overhead because oftentimes agencies I worked at in spaces like pharma and life sciences, they may bring a uh, pharma account on to the agency and it'll be like, you know, $50 million. So they hire 20, 30 people. Well, next year, the person you're dealing with may find another job. They may bring another person that has relationships with another agency. They let your agency go and then you're kind of stuck with 20, 30 people to pay, which usually are all laid off. So kind of my model that I structured it, it was always uh, optimal and there wasn't, necessarily business waste in terms of kind of the bottom line. Man, that's very interesting. By the way, listen, I refocus radio talking to our guest today, Roman Prokopchuk. And that's very interesting. I mean, it sounds like with your educational background and your work history, you was very sharp. Like you really, I mean, you really knew how to use resources and use that as leverage to expand your your brand. Well I mean, I, I I remember you 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 were talking about you built those uh, certain relationships with some people, so you kind of were ready to, you know, quote unquote, you hire them off the bench, so to speak. But how important was was it for you to have those uh, relationships established beforehand? Because it sounds like these people, they too, you associate yourself with sharp people or experts in in their little uh, you know area of field. 
Yeah, I mean, half the battle in business, I think, is, uh, you know, relationship building. And a lot of people that you start networking with or develop relationships with are what creates kind of deals for you or, you know, drives business. So I, you know, I personally befriended a bunch of people that we had kind of common traits outside of marketing. So when they kind of, in a way, moved on, they also, I mean, it's not only befriending them, they have to know kind of like your caliber of work and that you're dependable, what your core values are. So I don't think somebody's just going to come to you and hand you business when you know, like you don't have a a record of delivering, um, you know, value. So, you know, I kind of developed it over the last few years that I worked at LexisNexis and with other projects. And, uh, you know, people started reaching out to me in terms of sales reps that left that company, in terms of, you know, friends I made. Uh, Actually, one of my friends, he started an agency, brought me an account working with uh, Chef Robert Irvine from Food Network. He was launching a bunch of uh, products in the fitness space. So that led to kind of managing their ambassador teams, handling all of their social accounts, social content, website content, things of that nature. So it was one of those things where kind of, you know, you're the expert. Other people may not be the expert in that specific field. They'll bring you on and kind of, uh, you know, let you run with an account, but you also have to have the knowledge and the results to back it up. So, you know, starting off, you can't just say, hey, I can do this when you have no kind of proven track record. So having a proven track record really helped me and and had me kind of top of mind in terms of the people that, you know, gave me opportunities or I collaborated with, whether it be consultants, other agencies or potential clients that I worked with the past and then kind of looked me up what I was doing because, you know, I delivered value for them in the uh, in the past. And you sound like a, a self-starter. Uh, personality person, you know, you're not afraid to, you know, go after challenges and, and just like get the job done. I mean, you express uh, the desire to be in the military and all that stuff. So what were there some things in your childhood or early adult years that kind of inspire you to embrace that type of mindset that, you know, having the structure, having this can do mentality? Yeah, I think kind of the immigrant journey in general, because I mean, there's a lot of people that are hungry in the US, but they've been kind of so sheltered in a favorable market and don't necessarily know like hardship in terms of war, famine, uh, living under a, you know, oppressive government. Yeah, there's issues in the US in terms of racial inequality and and other things uh, in terms in terms of kind of, you know, socioeconomic uh, variables, but coming from a war-torn area or coming from a, a place where if you spoke up here, you obviously have the freedom to, uh, you know, protest and, and share your opinions. But in other countries, if you speak out, you know, you're executed or you're thrown in prison or, uh, you know, a labor camp for 10 years. So I think if you look at a lot of companies founded currently in the last 10 years, a lot of them are founded by uh, first-generation immigrants or children of immigrants coming from actually the Eastern Europe area. So uh, Ukraine, uh, Russia, um, Poland, places like that, because I think uh, they have an extra layer of kind of grit. So, you know, they've experienced something and they have more of a a tougher and thicker skin to undertake certain things that business actually requires, because obviously there's a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of trials and tribulations. And when you have a, um, 
I guess, a framework of going through a lot of stuff and seeing things that I often say it's like third world versus first world problems. Then you're uh, you develop a thicker skin and that kind of plays and, and carries you in business as well. And speaking of that, developing uh, that that mindset of having a thicker skin, you know, having that drive, you know, like, OK, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's no time to think about it and, and wishy-washy like, OK, I wish I had better whatever. You just have that get up every day. Boom, we're about to make it happen. It's driving me to this question. What's some of the uh, misunderstandings, if you will, people on the outside who do not understand about uh, the experiences of, of individuals like yourself who are first-generation immigrants who are driven to be successful? What are some of the misunderstandings that people you experience in the U.S. who don't quite see clearly from your perspective? I mean, I, I would say just kind of work ethic. A lot of people aren't willing to do what needs to be done. Kind of everybody wants to to be successful, an entrepreneur potentially, or start a company, but nobody wants to kind of be in the trenches and mm-hmm. really kind of deal with kind of the, the blood, sweat, and tears. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily understanding. It's just a lot of, uh, a large part of success is just outlasting. So you look at, you know, a lot of companies, they simply made it, over their competitors because they outlasted them. They may have had a similar product service or whatever they offered, but they simply outlasted kind of the trials and tribulations. And, you know, you also have to have a framework and the knowledge base. You have to be somewhat good at what you do. But I think when it gets to a a tough point, you have to kind of ignore your emotions, obviously have enough uh, self-awareness and emotional empathy to understand what's going on in your business or with you personally that you may or may not have to pivot or, uh, you know, abandon an idea, but learning from it and moving forward. So I I think kind of uh, the work ethic aspect that I was taught that, you know, I don't necessarily like sit there. I can't, I mean, I can't sit there and some people like obviously playing video games and stuff as their career and, you know, streaming and stuff like that. I can't sit there and and waste time because time is one of those things I can always, if I lose a client or a job, I can always find another client or a job with time, but I'm never going to get back that time. So I can't waste that time. And, you know, uh, one of the main kind of role models in my life was my grandfather. He passed away like three years ago and I was going through the grieving and mourning process. But then, you know, I kind of started, uh, not focusing as much on some of the short and long-term goals I had because I was kind of down and I guess I would call it a little depressed. But then I thought about it. It wouldn't be fair to my my relatives, the people that brought me here and sacrificed for me not to take uh, advantage of every opportunity. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunity in the U.S. regardless of you know the economic times or wherever you start out in life, as long as you kind of have a skill set, have a knowledge base that you know, makes sense that surpasses your competitors. You have to know what you're talking about and be good at it, that eventually you'll make it. You know, not everybody starts off at the same point in life. You know, we landed to a two bedroom apartment. I was on, you know, welfare and food stamps for like two or three months. But at that point, everybody found a job. My grandparents were retired in Ukraine. 
they came here. My grandfather was doing construction from 55 that he was already retired to 75. My grandmother cleaned houses and whatever else she had to do. My mom learned English, clean houses, started doing things like that. My aunt, my dad did construction until then starting a, you know, a construction company. So it's just things I've seen over and over again that people come here and hear people complain about this, that, or the other, but they come here and do what needs to be done. They don't waste time. And regardless how tough it is, they they find a way or manage a way to get to what they need to, to get done. And that's a good point. Uh, I think toughness is, is something that uh, is important. And I think here in the United States, I'm not going to speak for no one, but I think sometimes, you know, it's risky for me to say this, but I'm going to just keep it 100. I think uh, it's that spoil factor. You know, we have all these, you know, resources here, you know, and work ethic uh, is important. But I think a lot of times we take that for granted here in the United States compared to, you know, any other place. I think we we don't uh, really tap into what is available like literally right here, you know, we don't have to travel somewhere else. We, we have a lot already. So I, I think that's a good point about uh, this, the whole toughness and, and having thick skin. You just got to do it. You just can't, can't be emotional about too many things. There's a right time to be emotional, but there's also the right time to do whatever it takes to, to get to that next level, whatever it is, the goal is for your life. So for you, also it shows in your in your uh, bio, your prep, that you also are a believer. So when it comes to faith, you know how has that play an influence in your life as far as uh, helping you to not quit but to always press through? Yeah, I think regardless of what I'm going through, bad or good, uh, I know you know God. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior is always there, regardless um, in terms of, you know, how I'm feeling and a lot of things, like if you think about it, there's a lot of anxiety and depression and uh, worry out there about all kinds of things. But if you think about it, depression is caused by things of the past, anxiety or, you know, is caused by things of the future. And if you can kind of eliminate it and put your faith in God, that regardless of what happens, he kind of, you know, he has your back and you can make it through anything because at this point I've made it through, through everything and you truly don't know what you're capable of. And I think, you know, God truly doesn't put things in your life um, that you can't handle. Obviously some things you may not understand. Some things are traumatic, like obviously like why, you know, did I go through six miscarriages with my wife, two of which were on Christmas days? How does that fit into my whole, you know, journey and my story and, you know, why does it happen to me if I have faith and, you know, uh, in God and, you know, am saved? Why are kind of, you know, I guess the the quintessential question, why do bad things happen to good people? And at the end of the day, you know, life is life. Life, not, nothing is easy about life. But at the end of the day, I know I can depend on, um, you know, my faith to get me through those times because it's not easy. I feel like, um, you know, being stoic, putting on a, a face like a, you know, not a tough face, but uh, someone that can overcome, uh, you know, everybody, I think, gets scared 
everybody is in a certain place in their lives, potentially in a, a dark time. But, you know, that kind of light that guides me out of that's always my faith. Yeah, because it's, it's like, yeah, I like you said it because it's like whenever you feel like, you know, you're running on E and you're about to pass out, that's when that uh, faith kicks in to remind you like, hey, you know, this too will pass. If you, you know, just remember, right? God, remember he's a source. That's going to get you that motivation to get charged up again, to, you know, get that renewed energy so that way you can keep fighting. A good fight. Now, when you are dealing with uh, people, you have a podcast. You know, you you, you did. A, I think you said in the green room you, you had a previous podcast that was massively successful. But you also do a current podcast. Uh, people can find more about it on uh, digitalsavageexperience.com. But man, tell the audience a little bit about this podcast because you have a ton of content on there. Yeah, so it's an interview-based show. I started it. It was a, a solo show. And I think um, I switched to an interview format because if I stayed with a, a solo format, I think I would have just got bored and, and pod faded because I, I kind of needed more to, you know, s- stimulate the dialogue than just, you know, talking into a microphone by myself and not really uh, having any type of dialogue with anyone. So I switched to an interview format. It's mainly kind of, documenting what people went through to get to where they are today. So some of the, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations thing that things that they've overcome and were able to uh, come out of and become who they are today. Uh, People, different walks of life, you know, people in your local community to former professional athletes. I, you know, had uh, one of the founding members in the Medellin drug cartel, how then they kind of found uh, retribution, uh, accepted God, got a doctorate in theology and just kind of just interesting stories. I like talking to people and kind of seeing what motivates them, what makes them tick and what and how they were able to overcome some of life's struggles along the way. Yeah, I like that because it's it's, it's similar to this platform as well, man. We, we try to uh, highlight people like yourself, prime your career, doing big things, but <laughs> It's not like you just open your eyes and all this fell in your lap. You, you had to work hard for this. When someone's listening to this, man, they're hearing your story and they're like, okay, man, this guy really, he's doing it. Uh, based on your personal experience, I know you kind of touched on it again, but let's touch one more time. You know, what was some of the core values that you tried to hold tight to yourself, you know, to remind you that, you know, no matter what challenges I face, you know, this is the bigger picture for me, for me to to make sure that I stay on mission for what I'm trying to do in my life. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, I think entrepreneurship or being a business owner or a company founder is a lonely journey. I think uh, based on some studies I've seen, like the rate of suicide is higher, especially in kind of like the tech space or Uh, different people that have founded companies. So just understanding and staying level-headed and level-minded regardless of how successful I am or, you know, how many things are crumbling around me, I'm still who I am. And regardless that kind of that high, if I'm like on a, you know, meeting all my goals, short and long-term goals at the moment, or if I lost, you know, $200,000 in revenue or something else is crumbling around me in my personal life, I'm still the same person. And uh, 
you know, I'm able to handle it and just really taking the things like life experiences, uh, some of the traumas and, and tragedies that I was able to kind of get through, because I think everything in life, you have something traumatic, maybe you even business, you declare bankruptcy, you're fired, you're laid off, especially, you know, coming into 2023 with all the crazy layoffs and stuff like that. And you may feel hopeless, but kind of at the end of the day, that will pass. And that experience, that traumatic experience, whether it's in business or personal life, you may have lost somebody close to you, you that that's initially a wound. So that wound is open and you have to kind of deal with it and cope with it so you can, you know, constructively start living with it. But um, when that becomes a scar, like then it's it's you're able to live with it and it's more tolerable in terms of the pain. So you never forget about it. It's, you know, everything in life is a lesson or a blessing, but the scar is there to remind you of that experience and get you through the next experience along the way. Man, that was excellent. What you just said, man, that, I, I like that. Uh, I like, I like that uh, mindset. You know, the scars are just a reminder that you, you overcame this as well. So no matter what happens, you know, in the future, you have something that you can remind yourself, hey, you know what? I, I've been down a <laughs> a bad spot before, you know? Like, you don't overthink it. Because I have people on my show, too, where they, uh, they talk about, you know, stop overthinking things. Because sometimes we can think about something, you know, way too long than what's necessary versus, you know, kind of what you're saying. Remember who you are, you know, whether it's great times or the worst of times. Remember who, who you are. And I think that's so important because if we're not careful, we can overkill on thinking about a situation to where it paralyzes the present time of us actually doing something about it. Yeah, analysis paralysis. It's one of those things where oftentimes you're your biggest enemy, especially a big decision or if something's not going wrong. So obviously human beings like being in a state of comfort, especially, you know, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And if there's a big move, a big decision, oftentimes, like you said, you talk yourself out of it. And instead of taking that leap, which I've, you know, seen anecdotally, personally in my life, when there's a big decision, oftentimes, obviously it's scary, but when you take it on the other side, um, you know, there's a lot more value. And oftentimes you talk yourself out of it and then just kind of stay in this, stagnant uh, mindset because, you know, complacency is the death of innovation per se. So mm. regardless of what you're doing, if you stay complacent and don't either move one way or the other, you're never going to, you know, progress in life. And did you say complacency is the death of innovation? Yeah, I didn't come wow, up with that's that. Somebody on, yeah, somebody on the show, on my show said it and okay. it's like a reoccurring theme, but it's like very simple and kind of, I guess, in my opinion, and stayed with me. So it's it's powerful for yeah, me. I, I think that's the first time I heard that, man. That's awesome. I'm going I'm to steal that too, man. That That's that's good right there. Because I, I, like I said, I think people, uh, there's studies, I mean, you're a podcaster yourself and a business person, but there's studies that, you know, podcasting is is very popular. I had uh, a person who they own like seven fitness uh, centers for their brand. And they said they study, not study, but they start practicing uh, more intimate, just audio content for their business. And during the whole pandemic, they did all these virtual uh, 
classes and stuff for fitness and they've used it with their business model. So Land of Plane, she was saying, yeah, this whole audio thing, it's going back to the basics, right? People love listening to conversations. It's the stories behind, you know, the person and the brand and just culture, you know, whatever it is, you know, we all want to learn about, you know, the eyes of, of Roman, you know, his perspective on life, because that's what people are wanting, man. They, they want to uh, learn and, and they, they are getting tired of the, the death scroll, you know, of social media. They, they are hungry. So man, I want to say once again, thanks uh, to our guests, uh, the one and the only Roman Prokopchuk, man, go to his website, digitalsavageexperience.com. Uh, what is the call to action you want our listeners to take, man? Yeah, so uh, Digital Savage Experience, you can go there. Um, there's a blog, accompanying blog. There's, you know, over 300 episodes live. Uh, Nova Zora Digital is the uh, marketing agency. If you look for that, there's also a website. But if anybody wants to reach out, um, you know, how podcasting can, you know, impact their business or their personal brand. Or actually, I just spoke at PodFest last weekend in Orlando about how having a, a media kit for your personal brand and uh, your podcast can increase exposure and uh, the number of co- collaborations that you're getting, uh, anything of that nature, anything digital marketing, you may have a question on, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to at least have a conversation, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, in terms of a consultation to point you in the right direction. Man, once again, I want to say thanks to uh, Roman be on the show. Go to his website. It's digitalsavageexperience.com. Man, check out all the stuff he does, his his podcast, his, his business services that he provides for all the needs that you might need in that digital space. Man, thanks, Roman, taking time on your schedule. I know you're busy, man. I know you're busy. I see, I see your uh, content that you're doing, which is really quality, high-quality stuff. Thanks for taking time talking to us today, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care.